Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. So over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've talked about buying homes and the process that you should go through as a buyer when taking on the idea of buying a property in detail. But what we haven't discussed, Josh, is some of the mistakes that we see as experienced individuals on the real estate and the mortgage side. So in today's episode, we want to talk about the five mistakes that we see home buyers make when buying a home. And the first one we're going to talk about is probably something that a lot of people out there don't really consider because it's just part of the process. But you and I both see people make mistake with this all the time. And that is not getting pre-approved prior to looking at homes. So Josh, kind of walk us through the idea here. Now, what I mean by this is not, you know, not just getting pre-approved, but the idea of people just really going online, wanting to buy a home and really start shopping for that home on Zillow or Redfin or one of these online sites without having any idea of what they can afford. So let's kind of, you know, take them through the process, you know, mistakes to avoid on the pre-approval side. And we'll kind of talk about some of these things as well. Well, you and I were discussing discussing before the show uh, a part of the conversation um, on on the live Wednesday night, which was around mortgage insurance and people just misconceptions and what they think mortgage insurance looks like, and that led back to the online calculators. So, in this day and age, we all have our phones in our hand all day. We all have a computer, a tablet. So it's not like we don't have information. So a lot of buyers will be looking around at homes on Zillow or on Redfin or any other uh, online source, and almost all of them will have a payment calculator. And they're almost all horrifically wrong. For us in California, the, ta the property tax rate is almost always low. The mortgage insurance is high. Um, a lot of times they will put a, an interest rate that's two weeks out of date. So in this context, the purpose of the pre-approval for you um, is to know with certainty three things. What's what am I qualified for? What's my what's my maximum? Not that you're going to go to your maximum, but what is my maximum that I'm qualified for? If I go to that level or various lower levels, what does my monthly payment look like? And how much cash do I have to have uh, available? You know, and, and Jeb, what are we really talking about? We're talking about having a budget for your home. Right. And not just mental budget, hey, I can handle that, but validated budget that you agree you can handle it. And the lender also agrees that you can handle it and can get you uh, terms that, that match up with that. So it's not so much the mechanics of that pre-approval process. It's just getting your ducks in a row so that you don't get out ahead of yourself and fall in love with a home and find out, hey, that payment is $800 more than what we're comfortable with. Or, hey, love that house. I'm cool with the payment wow, to get into it, I would need another $20,000 that I don't have access to. Now, you said something important there that I think I want, you know, I want to touch on again, and that's budget. You know, people typically go into the the, the pre-approval process, if you will, which, you know, handing over documents to you, you coming back and giving them numbers of what they can afford to purchase. Now, 
many times a buyer in their mind has, okay, I'm comfortable with say $3,000 a month. They have that in mind, but what they haven't really gone through and done is really create a budget, if you will. You know, how much do I spend on childcare? How much do I spend on groceries? How much do I spend in all of these things and really getting down to it and saying, hey, this is the number that I'm really, really comfortable with. What I see more often than not is them going to you first, getting pre-approved, and then you telling them a number, and then they become comfortable with whatever the number is that you've given. And that's okay as long as it's okay with you and you're comfortable with it and you're not putting yourself in a position to fail right to start with. So pre-approval is key. And, and we've talked about this in, in other podcasts and videos and what have you, but you know, more often than not, we see, again, people searching online prior to ever starting the process in their head, getting a, kind of a false sense of, you know, what they, what they can afford or, or really, you know, what's realistic in some cases. And, you know, me as a real estate agent, I don't want to be the bad guy and, and, you know, show you property that you can't afford. And then you as a buyer, you don't want to put yourself in a mindset of looking at properties that are way above your budget. And then, Josh having to dial you back saying, hey, listen, that's, you know, you can't afford that price. This is the number that you can qualify for. So it kind of just sets you up, you know, on the wrong path from the very get-go without having, you know, I would say these fundamentals in place, the budget and that pre-approval, Josh. Well, what he's saying is the, the realtor never wants to be the bad guy. So they send us, uh, the client say, hey, I, I don't think they can afford what they what they think they can or they're not quite ready for that payment. So you tell them the bad news so we can uh, we can go look at the pretty houses. Well, um, but, but, to, but a, Josh... to, a degree, to a degree, there's some truth to that, Jeb, because what I, what I was going to say is we have a client comes in last week and this goes both ways. You're If you're listening at home, you're probably thinking, oh, you're always telling these people, oh, well, great. You want a $600,000 house. You qualify for a $450,000 house. We have a guy came through last weekend. Qualifications are glorious. And we go through and we say, okay, you can afford X house. He goes, oh, no way. I cannot afford that payment. Well, what can we get for $1,000 less a month? Well, you can get nothing for $1,000 less a month. But it, it is truly, it does go both ways. It's not just people that think they can afford more. It's people that do qualify and think, no way, I afford less. And it leads back to that question of, I can't tell you what you can afford. I can tell you what you can qualify for. Well, no, and and it again, I, I'll touch on this and we'll move to the next one. But you know, more often than not, people are going online, kind of searching mortgage rates. They're searching different things online. And it's giving them an idea of, hey, this is the rate today. And then they plug it again, like you said, to it, some sort of online calculator, or maybe they're just doing old school calculations and figuring it out based on that. A pre-approval will actually set you up in the right direction from the get-go. Hey, these are the rates based on your credit score, based on your down payment, based on all of the factors, you know, that, you know, the attributes of you, which gives you real numbers. And that way, when you go out, you know, there's not going to be, you know, you're not putting yourself in a position where you're going to have... Uh, you know, a house that you absolutely love and not being able to make an offer on it because you haven't done the steps first. So first one is definitely not getting pre-approved prior to the process and actually going through, you know, again, not pre-qualification, pre-approval. That means actually providing documentation. And we've talked about that in another episode if you want to go back and listen to that in detail. So second one, Josh, this is where I see people do big mistakes over over the years. And quite frankly, for being honest, I've made this mistake with regards to location, but 
settling on a home. And, and what I mean by that is we've been in an environment for the last few years, and it's kind of been on a decline for a while of available supply of homes. But the last couple of years have been uh, worse than than anything we've seen. And that's because there hasn't been a lot of property out there. Interest rates have been low. There's been this sense of FOMO in the market and whatever else, and people want to get into a house. And we see people settling, buying something that you know maybe doesn't fit their needs, or you know settling on a location that you know they they didn't want to be in to begin with just to get into the market. Well, Jeb, you have two really good examples of this of actual clients that you helped that ended up selling within 12 months and and realizing, hey, we settled on this and we want to be in this city or we want to be back closer to our families. And fortunately, they did it in a good market for that and the values had, had appreciated. So they were able to get out of those homes, move on to the next one. But there's still significant transaction costs in going through a purchase and sale and purchase versus just getting in and, and buying one home, right? No, and that's the thing is like, fortunately, people have been in a market the last couple of years where they've been able to gain equity and actually cover some of these costs, but that's not typical. And so you don't want to go in with this false sense of, hey, if I don't like it, I'll just sell it in a couple of months and we'll just buy something else. Maybe it works out that way. Maybe it doesn't. But what we're talking about here is kind of, you know, coming up with a list of your non-negotiables to to begin with. And and what do I mean by non-negotiables? Well, for me, it might be, I want to live near the beach. You know, I mean, I'm active, got kids that that like to surf and, you know, I like to run. I don't really like to run. I run and down by the beach is a great place to do it. So by the beach is kind of a non-negotiable to me to some extent. You know, for others, it might be school district. It might be, you know, we absolutely have to have four bedrooms. We can't do any less or we have to have, you know, a house with a pool or whatever your list is. And what we do is we see people when they don't find what they want, you know, they completely just change everything and say, okay, well, I can't find that in Huntington, you know, something that's by the beach uh, with a pool, three bedrooms or four bedrooms, whatever I just said. And they say, well, you know what? I'll just go to orange. You're like, whoa, I I thought you wanted to be by the beach. I did, but now we're okay. I thought you wanted four bedrooms. Yeah, we're okay with three and well, what changed? Well, we couldn't find what we wanted in Huntington, so we've changed. And then what happens typically is six months, a year down the road, they end up calling me and saying, hey, we didn't really, we don't really like it out here. None of our friends are out here and what have you. And so what we want you to do is, is kind of get an idea of what you want up front. And it sounds really simple, but you've got multiple people typically making a decision when buying a house, especially in, in a couple situation. One person might want something a little bit different than the other and one person settles you know and the other person get gets what they want and in some cases that's okay in other cases it doesn't work out so just you know come up with the list of non-negotiables negotiables if you will and don't settle and for me location is the number one thing that i see people uh settle on and what i mean by that it, it, we've talked about location in different cities and what have you but You know, it could be buying a house that backs to a major street or buying a house that backs to a freeway or, you know, buying a house in in an area that you didn't want to be initially, but this house fits everything else but the location. Location is the one thing you can never change. You can never pick that house up, at least here in California, and move it. Some parts of the country, you can do that. Uh, But here in California, you can't. So make sure, you know, you don't settle on location. Josh, anything you want to add on that one? 
No, uh, it, it you do sometimes see um, a person talk themselves into it. So you just have to know yourself, be honest with yourself, because we'll see people just like you said that the beach is important, and then do the 180 that no, we'll be okay uh, because in the city of Orange, it's only uh, what 11 miles away. Yeah. Um, we can we can get to the beach when we want to. It's only a little bit warmer. Um, but we all, especially if you're renting already in an area, let's, we're just using our, our simple world here. Like I've asked my wife several times, we've had opportunities to buy at a discount in different markets, really rad houses in different areas and even nice areas, not, not saying it's a lesser area, it's just a different area. And it's hard when you think of, I'm giving up my grocery store, I'm giving up my gym, I'm giving up, you know, being close to my friends, babysitter, school. My wife does, bro. My wife does. So with uh, with all that, uh, it just it's important that you be honest with yourself because compromise is sometimes necessary when budget meets hot market. But you just need to be able to be honest with yourself when making those decisions. No, and another one I I see, and this is probably I've said you know the most common a couple of times, but people that are looking to you know uh, commute into another market, you know, for example, they might work in LA, and they say you know what, we're looking in initially they're looking in, in, in Hermosa beach or Redondo or one of these areas that's pretty close to, to LA, but still a beach city because they want to be by the beach. And then they end up coming all the way down to say Huntington or even further South in California and going further away and going, well, it's, you know, it's only an hour. Yeah. It's only an hour if traffic is perfect and all of these things match. So for me as a real estate agent, it's, not to be negative, it's just to point all of these things out and make sure, hey, listen, you're considering everything so that you're not having any sort of resentment or regrets once you get into that property. And Josh, that's going to take us into third thing, not working with a professional. Now, this is is probably one of the more common things we see in, in you know, buying a house, mistakes people make. Um, let's talk about that in a little bit more detail. You know, a lot of people are searching online, which is completely okay to do when, when trying to find a professional, if you will. But we also have a lot of people that want to help their friend. They want to help the family member who just got their license. So how is this a mistake if, if you're a buyer? Well, it, when, let's kind of define what we mean by professional. Someone that's been in the business a period of time and is doing a volume of business and has a solid reputation that you can find by online reviews, by referrals from uh, friends, family, coworkers. Anything else that you would add to that definition of professional, Jeb, or how you as a consumer would know you're dealing with a professional? Well, yeah, I think experience is probably the 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 main driver there, but you can have agents that don't have 20 years of experience that have worked in an environment because they've been around other professionals that learn quickly and do a good job. So, you know, length of time, I don't know, is necessarily important. I, I think you nailed it with you said good reputation, online reviews, all of that stuff is is definitely key. But it comes down to, again, a lot of times referring, find somebody that's had a great experience, being able to get that referral, if you will. But no, oh. those are the most important, in my opinion. Let me go back to a conversation I had a couple of nights ago. We were doing uh, an online roundtable with a couple of uh 
people who specialize in helping veterans. One was in North Carolina, one was in Tennessee, both heavily uh, veteran areas. And in that, in, in that context of that, the importance was that you're working with a lender that does a lot of VA loans or a realtor that does a lot of VA loans. So you could have a specific yes. need. So um, even a very good agent 30 miles away from us in a different market could be not the best professional for you. So again, I'd rather have an expert kind of out of their market than a newbie that is that is selling you the house next door to them. But all of these things that we're looking at, is there some type of subject matter in terms of a type of loan like, like VA financing? Um, is it a super jumbo property? You're buying a five or six, $7 million home and that you need to have someone with experience in that. You're really looking at all of those things. And why that's important is you don't want someone learning on your dime and on your time. They have to have been there before, they have to have seen this, and they have to be able to guide you with expertise and experience and knowledge through the process. So uh, if, you're, if you're looking at you know, people, you don't find realtors online because a realtor's local in the market. And for the most part, even today, you're still getting in a car and you're driving out and looking at homes with them. An online lender, the reality is the biggest lender in the country, they have two call centers. They have Cleveland and they have Detroit. There's no way that if you're buying in Miami or you're buying in Los Angeles or you're buying in Phoenix, that those people have any understanding of your market. They also work set hours in an office building and they are not on call. They're not answering the phone uh, on the weekend when you need updated numbers or when you need a fresh pre-approval letter because offers are due at 3 p.m. on Sunday and the seller is going to sit down and, and make a, a decision on who they're going to move forward with. So know what's important to you and make sure you're getting professionals with experience that that line up in recent relevant experience that line up with what your needs are in your decision making process. Well, when I think of experience Josh or the professional what I think of is, you know, anybody can go out there and essentially shop and find a house online, right? And a lot of times, you know, the the buyer picks an idea of where they want to be price-wise and in some markets it gets accepted and and what have you. The, the expertise comes in when things don't go right, when the negotiations happen, when the repair bill comes back and, and the house needs $60,000 worth of, you know, treatment or, 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 you know, mold remediation or whatever it is. I mean, I've had cases where I've negotiated $70,000 in, in, you know, reduction in price because of things that have happened in properties and being on the selling side. I mean, I just got a repair request for $25,000 on things that my client, quite frankly, as a seller might, might be willing to, to do the money just to do it. My job as the agent is to say, no, let's negotiate this. Let's, you know, let's bring things to light and, and help them understand why we're not willing to do this and why these things that your buyer wants aren't realistic and not quite frankly, not our problem. And so you need that expert in those cases, right? It's really easy as an agent. If you just come up to agree to everything and, and I just have you sign papers, that's, that's an easy transaction. And occasionally those happen, but more often than not, you want somebody negotiating on your side. That's not a yes, man. That's not just willing to say, Hey, okay, let's take this and, and execute it. And you get the house. Sometimes it's, you know, you can save a thousand bucks here or 2000 or get a credit for this or what have you. So all of those things are important. Getting the offer accepted is really negotiation number one. And it's quite frankly, I mean, it's an important negotiation, but it's not the end all negotiation. There's other things that go into that process that you need a professional 
helping you understand. Now, Jeb, even in the smoothest transaction that you have, you're negotiating. You're negotiating with the, the other side. It may just be timeframes. When do we get keys? When can we get in to inspect the property? Like, I don't think that the average consumer really understands the amount of back and forth negotiations in even the smoothest transactions. When they go sideways is when you guys really earn your money. But one of the things, Jeb, that I always hear from consumers is, hey, I'm going to go with this guy. I negotiated. He's going to give me back a rebate on his commission. I said, okay. So you're going into the biggest purchase of your life. It's going to be the biggest negotiation of your life. And you just chose to have someone represent you that you want a negotiation with in five minutes. Is that right. really the decision that you want to make? I mean, $1,000 or $5,000 on the commission, that's real money. I get it. It's helpful at the closing table. But when we're talking what average purchase prices in the United States closing in on 400000 in Orange County, we're at a million I mean, $5,000 is a half of a percent on a million dollar purchase. There's $5,000 decisions that are made at multiple points in that transaction. And that's where your realtor really earns their money. And I say this is going to sound self-serving in the context of this, but I work with lots of agents. And for the most part, they are all good negotiators. Jeb's biggest strength, if I was to say rank order, is that he can have difficult conversations in cool ways and win negotiations without making the other side feel like they just got beat up or taken advantage of. And that's what you want on your side because your your end of the day result is where the, the numbers, the bottom line works out best in your favor. Yeah. And again, negotiations, they don't always work out how you want them to, but you don't know if you don't try and you've got to negotiate. And it's negotiation, it's a, there's an art to it. It takes time. It takes experience. That's where the experience part comes in, right? Is having the person that's had those difficult conversations before and can use, you know, experience and expertise to help you dial in that. Now we've just come out of a market or I guess we're not, we haven't come out of it, but we're still in a market that is, uh, been, there's been a lot of inspections waived, appraisals waived, and that's going to take us into mistake number four. And that's not waiving the appraisal or necessarily waiving inspections. It's putting yourself in a position where you are maybe waiving everything or waiving too much because you're not being guided properly, you know, from the start. Now there are markets out there. Don't get me wrong, where the only way to get your offer accepted has been to waive everything. And if you have a professional in that market with experience, you know, the ones that we just talked about, they're going to walk you through that process. But sometimes when you have maybe an inexperienced agent or somebody that's new to the business, they think that's how every transaction works. You have to do this or wave or whatever. And what I want to tell you is that's a mistake. It shouldn't be a uh, an end-all conversation for every offer you make. In some cases, maybe you do wave things or or give up things you know, to get your offer accepted. In other cases, maybe you don't. Uh, but don't make that mistake in writing offers and feeling like you've got to you know, your back's against the wall and you've got to waive things and potentially put your deposit at risk because it could end up being a mistake. In fact, I just wrote an offer this past week where I had a conversation with the agent prior to writing the offer. Now, granted, our offer didn't get accepted. We'll be completely transparent here. We lost against the cash offer, but I asked up front, hey, listen, what's the seller expecting? They told me, I said, are we comfortable with appraisal? Yeah, appraisal, there's going to be no issue with the appraisal. Okay, so I can keep the contingency? Yeah, there's no need to worry about it. How about home inspection? No, the, the seller is a contractor. He he feels like you need a, a home inspection. Great. We submitted the offer with it. We're in backup position, but the conversation is, you know, could we have waived it? Sure. 
but it just it puts one more contingency out of um, our side and puts it kind of on the seller side, if you will, in, in putting our deposit at risk. So job as a real estate agent, as your agent, as a professional, is to never put your money at risk in the deposit. And so I've seen mistakes. I've heard of mistakes of people waiving things, doing things up front and not really understanding the repercussions of what that means, you know, waiving the appraisal, but not understanding how that works or, or what that means. It's getting a clear picture of these things prior to doing them and making sure you understand the risk that are associated with it. There's these things are in place for a reason and, and primarily to protect you as a buyer. And so when you waive them or you give things up, it just puts you in a, in, I won't say in a worse position because sometimes it could be a better position depending on, on what you're competing against or what have you, but it puts more pressure on you to make, I would say, irrational decisions or, or quick decisions um, when you don't have those contingencies in place, Josh. You know, kind of, Jeb, just to recap what you said, because you, you nailed it. And I, I have a little bit of a different perspective, because for the most part, um, the contract comes to us and these things have already been waived and they've already been decided to uh, agreed to. But where we do with a good agent, they're going to reach out and say, hey, here's what we're considering. Are we OK with this? So what Jeb said is the most important thing for the last year. A lot of these things had to be done to get an offer accepted. But now we're going into a little slower market. Hopefully we have less of that. But even in a normal market, if you have a very desirable property where the seller has leverage, it's a unique and desirable property, this stuff may happen. You just need to be able to quantify what does that mean? I'm waiving this contingency. I'm shortening this contingency. What does that mean? What is the potential worst case to me? And am I okay with that? And, and what Jeb's saying and what I'm definitely seeing is people agreeing to stuff that they don't really know what it means and what their true worst case is. So we absolutely want to avoid making that mistake. Yeah. And I've even heard, I mean, I'm on some different forums and different groups and whatever. And I've even seen realtors ask the question of what some of this stuff means. And so it's a bit scary, but just know that you, you know you have the right person on your side. The last thing I'm going to say, this might be a shock to you, but don't listen to what others have to, to, to say when, when making a decision that's right for you. That's a mistake. Um, and what I mean by that is reading media headlines, watching YouTube, listening to podcasts like this, and hearing someone say, don't buy a house, or you need to buy a house today, or you're never going to be able to buy again, don't take that stuff. It, it's fear. It's, you know, you need to buy when it's the right time for you, right? Don't get caught up in the FOMO of, of you know, reading the headlines that the market's appreciated 20% year over year, and you feel like you're being left behind or that the American dream is dead and you're never going to own a home. It It's a headline, right? I mean, these are things you've got to make the right decision for you. And maybe the right decision is not to buy a house and that's okay. Or maybe the right decision is to buy a house because of, you know, whatever factors in your life. You know, Josh and I talk about it all the time. There's certain things that you need to consider when, you know, thinking or considering whether or not it's the right time for you. Josh, I'm going to throw it your way to, to kind of go over some of these things. Absolutely. So here's what I can, can say unequivocally for the vast majority of people, 95, 98, 99% of people, Home ownership is the right decision. So it's not a question of should I buy a home? It's when should I buy a home? So for a lot of this, we get caught into the market's nuts. It's it's getting away from us. I have to do it now. And that's where we see mistakes and problems being made. So 
understand why you need to own a home over over the long haul, but also understand when it makes sense for you. Um, you know, a lot of the things it's easier to disqualify someone from when they should own a home. Hey, you're really early in your career, and with your company, they like to move um, up and comers around the country and get them experience in different places. Well, don't buy a house because you're going to be moving. You're in a long distance relationship and you don't know whether you're going to end up with uh, in Seattle with that girl or guy or no, whether no, don't move to Seattle don't, for don't the girl. Move to Seattle. Some people will do it move though. To like San or, Diego for the girl or, or whether you're going to get them to move to California to, to be with you. Yeah, so exactly. there's a million different things or we just got married and we're never having kids. This is a terrible world. We don't want to bring kids into it. Cool. Now we know <laughs> what we're looking at. Or you could be like Jeb and you could be like, we're going to have tons. And so we need just a lot of room and space. So knowing what your plan is for life, what your timeline, not that life doesn't throw you curveballs. It does. But to the best of your ability, know what you think it looks like and what degree of certainty you have and that timeline and plug home ownership into the right uh, point in time and phase for you there versus just feeling like Jeb said earlier, fear of missing out. The market's getting away from me. If I don't do it now, I'm never going to be able to do it. Um, everyone, for the most part, should own a home, but you should become a homeowner at the time that is right for you. And all of the noise and outside distractions, like we literally, we could roll over to YouTube right now. I could find you five videos of people telling you, Home ownership is the worst thing ever and home prices are going to crash. And I can find five others are saying why you have to get in before this market skyrockets even further. So we're not saying you don't listen to people, but uh, gather multiple opinions and formulate your own opinion with your life and the direction of, of where you're going. And it has to be the right decision for you, an informed decision. And that involves listening to podcasts, looking to YouTube, reading the, the news and the major media, but understand where they're coming from, understand what their angle is, understand what they're pushing. One of my favorite things to say to everyone is numbers never lie. Well, if you If you watch an article and someone is just spewing opinions and there's no numerical basis or historical facts there to build it off of, I would be very careful of taking that person's advice. Now you just mentioned, you know, figuring out what they're pushing. What are we pushing? <laughs> what are we pushing here on uh, the educated home buyer, Josh? Uh, for the vast majority of people, over 65% of Americans decide to become a home buyer, a home owner. And to become a homeowner, you have to be a home buyer. We want you to do it in an educated way. You don't have to decide to buy a home, but if you have decided to buy a home and it is the right time and phase for you and your life and your family, let's do it smart so we can, we can not make a, a lot of these mistakes, which can be very, very costly in not just at closing at the closing table, but over a lifetime, they compound uh, when you look at, at appreciation and, and debt amortization and all that fun stuff. So what are we pushing? We're pushing for you to be a wise, smart, educated home buyer. And we're, we don't have a monopoly on knowledge. So we're not the only place to gather that. But hopefully we're one of those places for you. No, absolutely. We're pushing to buy right, borrow smart and build wealth. That's really what we're going here, Josh. Last thing, if you're thinking about buying a house, you know, whatever you need to have the longer term time horizon that we've talked about again just allows you to withstand any changes in the market right if you're planning on buying a property being out of it in a couple of years you know make sure it's the right move for you right i would say anybody buying less than five years at the moment really needs to consider whether or not it's the right time 
you need to have money in the bank. That means in addition to your down payment, in addition to your closing costs or whatever, have some reserves in case you lose your job, in case there's another pandemic and things are on lockdown or whatever. Having that money in the bank is key. And lastly, not stretching yourself, not putting, you know, house poor is, is you know, a common, um, commonly used term out there, you know, where all of your, you know, extra money isn't going into your house every month where you can't go out to dinner. You can't go enjoy yourself. You can't take, you know, your significant other out for a date or whatever, just because everything's going into the house. If that's the case, maybe you wait and, and now isn't the right time. Now isn't the right time rather. So really those are the mistakes that, that I see as a, as a real estate agent, Josh sees as a uh, mortgage professional. But next week, what we're going to do is we're going to take a different direction. We're actually going to talk about the five mistakes we see people make on the loan side because there's mistakes on the real estate side, which is what we've talked about today. Next week will be on the mortgage side. So make sure you tune in then where we help you become the educated home buyer. Thanks for listening to the educated home buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at the educated slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.